everybody. Welcome back to Firewalls Don't Stop Dragons. I'm your host, Gary Parker, and this is episode 208 for February 22nd, 2021. And we've got the first of a two-part interview for you today. And today I'm going to be talking with the head instructor from the Tech Learning Collective. And these guys are up in New York City, though they offer their courses anywhere on the internet. And I took one of their workshops recently, and it was really quite good. And this is not your regular tech education group. These guys are... I've really taken a very different and important perspective on learning about computers and cybersecurity. And honestly, they really just have a very interesting and different perspective on technology as a whole. Uh, you'll get a sense of that uh, from this interview. But, you know, really taking a, a kind of a deep, a deep look at, you know, what technology really is and what its impact is on our daily lives and, you know, how knowledge of Technology can really create significant power imbalances with really serious repercussions. And one of the other things I really enjoyed about the class, and we'll talk a little bit about in uh, the interview today, is some very interesting historical perspectives and why understanding how we got to where we are today with technology, what the origins of some of these things are, uh, really kind of colors your understanding of what technology does and what it was, what it was really meant to do. And if you were if if you're interested at all in learning about computers, and I, I'm guessing you must have at least some interest in that, or you probably wouldn't be listening to this podcast. But have looked at you know well college courses. I don't have time for that, or the money for that, or maybe you've looked at some of these cybersecurity certification programs and even thought those were too expensive or involved. These guys have some really interesting classes that you might want to look at for a lot less money, and are a lot more practically focused. So. Anyway, I don't want to make this an infomercial, but uh, there was a reason I reached out to these guys and wanted to feature them here because they're doing some great stuff. So uh, we will get into that today in the interview. Now, I haven't seen any new podcast reviews or book reviews, but I did want to mention something I don't think I mentioned before. This actually happened a few months back, but the Privacy Issue, which is a really cool website, added me to their list of their top 10 privacy podcasts. And I'm in some really rarefied company there. So Anyway, if that's if you want to check that out, I'll put a link in the show notes so you can look at me on that list and see what else on that list you might be interested in. But I was very proud to make that list. So that's all I really have by way of prologue. Let's let's get right to our interview with the Tech Learning Collective. All right, and today, as promised, we're talking with the lead cybersecurity instructor at the Learning Collective. And uh, I came across your group, uh, I believe it was at a privacy conference last fall. The name escapes me. I went to a few different online uh, online ones this fall. But we've got, I think we talked in a chat room and checked out your website and was instantly intrigued by what I saw there and, and reached out. And you guys were so generous to uh, set up this interview. So I wanted to learn a little bit about what you guys are doing. So I took one of your courses. I recently took the one taught by you, actually, called uh, Clearing Away the Clouds, which was really yeah. an excellent uh, primer on how the Internet works. So that's going to lead to lots of questions. So let, let, let's start off with just the basics. So your website starts off with the phrase, are you looking to get certified? Look elsewhere. Are you looking to spark a revolution? <laughs> we'll show you how to become more powerful than the most well-funded adversar adversaries, including corporate and government-backed opponents. So with that as preface, <laughs> uh, why don't you tell the audience a little bit about what the Tech Learning Collective is and you know how it came to be? Yeah, sure. Well, first, I think the conference that it must have been uh, Hope 2020. Uh, yes, I believe that was it. That was it, yeah. Because we did, um, we did a series of three, I think, um, cybersecurity workshops in their workshops track um this relates to the question i promise i'm not just sort of riffing here um <laughs> but um the so we, we we taught there was um in uh, an introduction to website 
phishing attacks class. We taught an introduction to website exploitation class. And I want to say the other one that we taught was, I, if I remember correctly, it was a password cracking, like you know, a hash cracking uh, workshop. And so the first thing that you're going to notice from all this is that it's all very security related. Mm-hmm. That is typically not the way that a lot of schools, especially not politically oriented schools, will necessarily start off. It's not the topic matter mm-hmm. um, for a lot of courses or classes, right? Like if you're going to look at a code boot camp or a, um, if, if you're trying to get website description certification or a license or you're mm-hmm. trying to do a you know a career switch or something like that you're probably gonna gonna see things that are um, unless they're specifically cybersecurity related and even then right there's a lot of prerequisites for this you're, you're gonna see very different subject matter and so the first sort of uh, highlight for this is that tech learning collective started not as a school that's why there's a focus on things that you might not see in like a traditional if you're going through the um you know industries normal way of learning right, right. about this topic matter you probably go to like a comptia a plus certification get your mm. hardware certs you know then maybe you get super interested in networking and you get your ccna or something like that but we started as a political project not a, not a school um and so back in 2016 2015 or so what we were doing was basically just doing privacy and cybersecurity workshops you know for for lack of a way to say it, for the average Joe, right? For like people mm-hmm. who were concerned about internet surveillance, who had heard news um, about the NSA domestic spying activity, right. you know, who, who wanted to sort of understand what was going on in the world around them. Not for people who were interested necessarily in, you know, becoming experts in this field. What we learned pretty quickly, though, was that we weren't making a lot of headway unless we actually talked about the technology. That's not to say that everyone has to know the details of how packets, you know, are transferred across routers or exactly what, you know, the cryptography, uh, you know, what the math looks like inside of a SHA-256 uh, hash function or something like this. Like that, you know, those are details that, you know, in the same way you don't necessarily have to know exactly how like a water filtration system works to just want running water out of your right. tap. You know, like it's, you, know, you, you want water to come out of your tap when you turn on the faucet and that's kind of it. And that's okay. However, there was a sort of a wall we hit where we couldn't get past a certain level of explanation and a sort of a level of clarity without actually talking about the technology itself. And so that's when things started to shift a little bit to like, we really need to focus on not only becoming really good at this ourselves, but also finding a way to make this accessible to people for whom getting a job was not their goal, right? For, for whom people didn't want to necessarily spend a lot of money or spend a lot of time or change their life in such a, such an in- incredible degree to do a career switch. But they still wanted to know what the hell was happening and why, you know, the, uh, why a certain app worked versus why one didn't or mm. what, you know, a, a particular news story really meant underneath the headlines. Mm. And it, it, was just, it was not possible to do this in, a, in an honest way without really explaining what it was that the technology that we were all using, web browsers and TLS certificates, and has maybe the class that you were into, right? Like we talked a little bit about probably ARP and um, the uh, MAC addresses and sort of the the ways that that the networking that we have today is sort of built up from these primitive pieces that were around since the 70s and haven't really changed that much and why that's a problem in some scenarios and why that's a, you know, why, why that has proliferated to to attacks that we see today. So that so that was really the core of it. it was like we need to get started um, with with an actual technical foundation, and that's where the school part came in. So that's why that's sort of with the, with the divergence, right, from from us and a lot of other uh, groups that that typically talk about sort of the social impact and the um, the community education angle. Those are great and useful to have, but they always hit a barrier when people start asking 
questions for which you have to have a foundational understanding in the technology to make solid policy or to understand certain aspects of the law or to understand exactly what the impact is on an individual in a certain scenario. Gotcha. So, um, so you, you touched on a couple things there that are interesting. So, who is who is your audience? Like, who is who are who are you trying to reach? Who, are, uh, generally speaking, and, I, and you, I'm sure you get like me. I'm sure I'm maybe not your typical student, but I'm sure you get people from all over. You got a website. They, people find the website and they take classes. But mm-hmm. is there a certain audience? You talked about legal and and policy and things like that. So, are you are you specifically trying to educate? you know, staffers for legislators, are you, uh, I know that you target, you know, certain communities that are actually often in physical danger. So mm-hmm. what would you say if you had to kind of sum it up, who, who is your target audience? Yeah, no, that's a great question. So, you know, the short answer is anyone who wants to learn more, but the more, you know, the, the answer I think you're, you're probably looking for, and I think the answer that makes the most sense really uh, for, for something like this is people who want to use technology to make the material aspects of their lives, like today, better without necessarily cooperating with the bureaucratic and financial system that is often a, an obstacle for them. Mm. So that could mean, right, that could mean people who are in the legal field, right, and who want to know more about the functioning of the technology that they're using, whether it be for their own personal protection with, you know, client um, attorney privilege, we know that that's not something that's necessarily uh, respected by certain, mm-hmm. uh, by certain mm-hmm. law enforcement agencies all the time. We also, but, but also it could also, you know, it could be uh, people who are in the legal profession who, who want to not use the law to make the lives of their family and friends and community in the real world better. And the law is just one example, right? So, like, what we are trying to do as 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 a school is to try to train system administrators, which is to say, we tr- we are, we want it to be more feasible for more people to be operators of their computer systems in a way where they are the ones in power over those computer systems as opposed to the other way around, right? When you're using a website, when you're using a service, Google Drive, Facebook, whatever, right? There's a relationship that's being developed between you and the people who are operating that service. The power differential between uh, in that relationship currently is extraordinarily skewed to one side. Yeah. Our goal as a political project, and the school sort of founds this, right? Uh, or the school, the school sort of um, fuels this, <clears throat> is to balance as much as possible through, at first... By necessity, individual action, but eventually through collective action, what that power differential looks like. So taking down that, like reducing the spread there of that power differential is the goal at the end of the day. How that exactly happens is going to be, you know, uh, that's that's sort of like history shall write that story. You know what I mean? Mm. Um, but at the moment, our tactic for that has has shifted from the early 2015 days where we were primarily doing workshops uh, in person and at, at, co- at community groups and so on. Um, of course, then COVID changed a lot of this yeah. as well. But but also, we, we started focusing a lot more on the technology specifically because we realized that what really needed to happen was not necessarily everyone on Earth needed to understand the intricacies or, or the, or in fact, not even everyone on Earth needed to use a specific, you know, secure messaging tool. And in fact, that that was probably not the best way to go about uh, impacting that power differential that we're talking about. What probably needed to happen, we think, we hope, um, is that simply in the same way as you have maybe a society that has you know some number of you know million electricians, you don't you don't need everyone in that society to be an electrician, right? You don't need everyone mm-hmm. to be a plumber. You don't need everyone to be to be to be an expert at a certain trade, but you do need enough of them so that you can actually wire all the buildings, so that you can actually get running water to everyone in your society, right? It is a people power problem 
in, in some means at the end of the day. And I think perhaps what's happened is that people in the technology sector are so used to scale and are so used to thinking of these um, services that they make as like, you know, the, the success, the marker for success is going to be the situation where they have 200 million users or something. And that unfortunately feeds into this power differential where what happens when you have 200 million users is who don't necessarily understand how your service is working is you have a certain kind of power over them. In fact, the more important that service is to their day-to-day activities in their lives, look at Facebook, for example, the more power that gives you over them. And so for us, the goal is to basically train the, the voc- is to be the vocational school that's missing, but to do so from a perspective where the people who are coming are not only motivated to improve their own lives, but to do so from a political standpoint. In other words, who recognize that, for example, the mutual aid groups and the food distribution that happens on the local level in our city, New York City, but also across across the world, right, has been in many ways far more effective than a lot of government responses to the COVID crisis. And if we can supercharge that with technology as opposed to keeping the the knowledge of the religious priesthood that is the, you know, the tech sector <laughs> in the citadel, right, if we can free that, then what we'll have is a far more dispersed and relatively smaller scale, right, but, but in, in terms of scaling up, but we'll have a more scaled out society with a, a, a smaller digital divide, because more people, um, especially today, right, have access to the kinds of hardware and and bandwidth that that makes it possible for them to be effectively mini service providers for themselves. There's a whole self-hosting movement I'm sure you're aware of. Mm. Um, It it fits very well into that. Um, And so we often advocate for that kind of thing. But that's also a dangerous thing without knowledge, right? Like you don't want a bunch of people who know nothing about electricity to suddenly be wiring their houses. (laughs) That's a bad idea, right? And so it's important that they know how to do this well. And it's also important, especially from a political angle, that if they are using this for political purposes, that they're prepared for the kind of risks that a cyber threat landscape presents them. And so that's why the combination of cybersecurity and sort of system administration is is the ultimate sort of guiding light for for the curriculum. It's why the workshop that you went to probably focused a ton, right, on like exactly how this works from a computer to computer conversation level. We didn't probably get too much into the security on that on that specific workshop. Right. But most of the workshops we offer have a heavy, heavy security focus for that reason. And it's and, you know and, and it's what makes the courses and the workshops very different than the ones that you'll see at, um, you know, Flatiron or General Assembly or Turing or this kind of other, this kind of stuff. Those are useful to learn about the skills that a job needs their employees to have, but those are not necessarily that useful if the skills you're trying to learn are how do I make a computer system offer support to the, for example, mutual aid food distribution networks, right, that are in my neighborhood. Those are two not not divergent, but they're not entirely overlapping skill sets. There is overlap, no doubt, but they're not. But the approach that we take is is very much geared towards that that latter that latter goal, and that means that you're going to be learning very different things in the classes. So, on one angle, right, we want everyone who's interested to come so that they get exposed to the stuff that we're teaching. Because what the, the other thing that we find, especially if you're trying to make policy or trying to understand this sort of stuff. Um, in a field that isn't a technology field directly, right, is that it's hard. It's hard to understand what's happening. And some of that's just because it's complex stuff. I mean, computers are one of the most complex, you know, yeah. machine, 
humans have ever devised. But on the other side, and you know, this is made more clear recently with uh, documentaries like The Social Dilemma and 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 all the 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 Cambridge Analytical stuff, right? Like, there are incentives to keep this stuff hidden, and it's important to recognize that that's that that's happening. So that when you feel overwhelmed, right, you know that it's not just because you're stupid. You're probably not stupid. This stuff, A, is hard. And on top of that, people are trying to make sure that the new big uh, hype, you know, the, 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 the fancy new shiny object, you know, the, the next thing that's going to take over Twitter, right? Like it seems like that's, it's so different. It's not at the end of the day. And that is, in fact, a form of uh, intentional obfuscation to try to sell a product, which it turns out is something you could do if you knew enough about it. In the same way as like, you know, cars used to be stuff that we fixed on our own, right? Yeah, and now there's right. computers and there's intentional vendor lock-in. Look at the DIY yes. repair movement, right? The right to repair stuff. All that stuff, right? So there's both there's both just organic, yes, this is complicated and it's hard and it's important to recognize that and, and, and acknowledge that, but it's also important to recognize that when you're going to cooperate with a system that is trying to get you to be a cog in the wheel of selling other people's stuff, they're not interested necessarily in making sure that you understand the foundational pieces. They're not teaching you stuff that is relevant today, but that was devised in the 70s. They're teaching you the new Rails framework or the latest JavaScript you know, React programming model or something like that. Useful and certainly has overlap, but that's not the skill you need if what you want to do is distribute food in your neighborhood. That's the skill you need if you want to get a high-paying tech job. Does that make sense? Yeah, and so I think if I could maybe paraphrase that back, and 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 you've you've used the word political many times, so we're gonna <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna <laughs> dig into what, into what you mean by that in a minute. But so what I'm hearing from you is that this is really you know there are people that get into doing computers because they want a career in computers, and so they may you know they may want to go to community college or get a full tilt college degree. Of course, computers is one of those really interesting fields where you can actually do a lot of it either self-taught or with online courses or by just kind of doing things your own and kind of tinkering around it, it honestly it's a lot of the hacker mindset um in, in terms mm -hmm. of and and you know i make a point on the show to to say that being a hacker is not a pejorative term it's it's somebody who's really curious it's somebody who likes to take things apart and put them back together who wants to understand how things work and uh, is really gets off on the idea of taking something that does one thing and, and making it do something else as part of a learning process Right, and so I'm definitely, you know, I'm definitely getting that vibe from you guys. But I think what I think what I'm hearing is that if if it's not your career, but it's something you need to understand, <laughs> because either you're a community organizer and you're putting together, uh, you know, a simple system for 20 people, or you know, for your neighborhood, mm -hmm. or for your uh, politically active group of some sort or other, or you're working with people who for political reasons need to have a better than average understanding of of how we are surveilled and how the internet works and where the dangers lie it, it sounds like it's more of a grassroots kind of a lower level very very practically oriented uh, approach that you're taking yeah that's exactly right i mean what we like to say is that we don't really care what your project is we just want to help you succeed in it, right? So like, if your project is going to need a computer at some point, and most projects do at this point, mm -hmm. then there should be someone on that team. Again, this could be as like, you know, radical political project, or it could be just relatively mundane and, you know, just be like, you know, a community garden in the neighborhood, right? right? At some point, you're going to need a computer probably. And that's the point at which it might make sense to spend a little bit of time investing in education about what it is that that computer is and can do for you. Because what's 
important, I think what's important to understand also is that like, it's more powerful than we think it is, right? Like, there's this cliche that goes around. We have all this power in the palm of our hands in the form of, um, the form of smartphones, mm. right? We have more 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 compute power in our in our hands today than than we had in you know possibly across the entire continent, if not the world, in in the early '60s. Yeah, and that is easy to say and hard to grasp, right? It means that the things that was happening, the things that were happening in the 60s across a global scale could be accomplished if in the realm of sheer compute power by one phone today. That's <laughs> mm-hmm. what it means. That is not how, that, 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 that seems ridiculous if you look at what we've actually done with computers, right? Because it seems like, yeah, the world's changed a lot, but like it doesn't feel like one person has that much power. Yeah. And our contention is that one person does have that much power. We just don't know how to use it yet. And mm. so if you can internalize that and you're, you know, willing to spend admittedly, it's, you know, it's not like a you're not going to, you know, suddenly be able to do that overnight, you know, anytime you to use a relatively nerdy example, right? Like, you know, it takes a while to become a Jedi master or whatever. Mm. But, but, you know, if you practice at it, there is a kind of power in that that is unmatched in all of human history. Yeah. And that's that's an unde- unde- undebatable fact, you know, given the the technology that is as accessible as it is today. So imagine, for instance, you know, a group of twenty people with one person who knows how to how to how to harness that kind of power, and then imagine that you know a group of twenty people with another person that can harness that right somewhere else. And if you imagine those things, those those pockets of people as seeds across a country you suddenly have a scenario in which the knowledge of how to do this, right, is dispersed enough that the organizing principle of society is one where you actually have the power to affect the kind of bottom-up organizational change that a lot of organizers and organizations that are advocating for this kind of, like, pro-democratic, lowercase d democratic, right, people power movement um, can, can accomplish without a lot of money and without a lot of existing capital and without a lot of cooperation with bureaucracies that are in many cases arrayed against them. Yeah. And so that's the ultimate goal. That is, you know, we're not utopists or or um, you know, sort of um, you know, it's it's a it's an idealistic vision, but we're not unrealistic about what that means. That's that's a lot of education, a lot of time and you know, there's real reasons why people don't spend their time, the limited amount of time with a limited amount of energy that they have learning about technology. Hmm. And our argument is that that's okay too, right? You don't you can go as far as you want into this as an individual and not every individual has to do this and we can still reap these benefits. That's the point of computers, right? That's what that's what automation allows us to do. That's what the networked um, reality that we live in makes possible. I mean, you and I are talking, you know, different states and right. it's like nothing, right? Like what is a long distance call anymore? Right. So that is sort of the vision, right? That's that's the idea. Now, whether you come to to us as a you know policy analyst with a background in you know so uh, in in political science, or you come to us as a as you know as aspiring as an aspiring movement lawyer, or you come to us as a you know as a gardener. Um, all of those are fine, and in fact, probably better than if you come to us uh, better in the sense of like you will probably find us more to your liking as mm-hmm. a school as a technology school mm-hmm. than if you come to us from the background of like I want to learn uh, about you know I want to be a, a CS major and and, and learn about um, you know electrical engineering, not because that's not valuable and good, right. um, but because that's not our goal. And so, the hope is that 
the way in which we present the material and the purpose for which we present the material is, I'll go so far as to say, unique enough but also accessible enough that what you're learning is actually going to be valuable to you regardless of which background you have. And if you find it interesting and enjoyable, before long, you will end up with skills that not only are incredibly employable today, but that are immediately valuable to every single project you use, uh, you, right. you have today, whether that be web scraping, data analysis, um, you know, what we call data science these days, right? Um, or simply uh, being sort of the, uh, the, you know, the tech person of your group, because those are all things that we teach in various workshops and courses. So I'll even take a little step further. And I, and I think that I'll be curious to get your take on this, but the other value I see in, in your approach to teaching and the kind of, and, and I'd like to at some point actually kind of have you walk through your kind of curriculum at a high level, because I know that it, you've already thrown out a lot of technical terms of where people might answer like, uh, -huh, like ARP. They, they have, you know, most people listening to this have no idea what you're talking about. But, it, but the point I want to make is, first of all, not all your classes are at that level. Second, I, I think another value to your approach to this teaching is demystifying these technologies, because I, I, I think people today throw their hands up in, in both the terms of security and privacy, thinking, I, I don't get it. I don't know. I don't understand this stuff well enough. I'm just going to have to hope for the best, or maybe I'll buy Apple stuff because they seem to be more secure. They seem to be more private. But other than that, I don't, right. I, I can't hope to understand it and they give up without trying. And I think that and that's part of what I try to do with the podcast as well is demystify some of these things. So they're not, you don't just out of hand think I, I can't grok this because like cars, like, you know, repairing lawnmowers, like, you know, I've, I've, I've repaired my own washing machine. I've repaired my refrigerator uh, because I'm kind of a hack guy and I got in there and once you actually like get under the covers and look at these eggs, Oh, that's not that difficult. This is doing this, that's doing that. And, and it things, yeah. Things make sense. And once you're armed, at least even if you don't have to be a, a refrigerator repairman or uh, you don't have to be a car mechanic, understanding it enough the, to demystify it is valuable. And if not, it also, when it comes to evaluating, maybe hiring someone to do work for you or someone presents you with work that they've done, you've got some base of saying, hey, that looks fishy or no, that looks good. Yeah. I mean, um, there's there's certainly an aptitude that, that, that people, um, you know, have towards, for example, repairing a, a refrigerator that, for example, I don't have. I mean, I'm actually awful in the, I'm like the klutziest person. I, I have so, I, I actually was very proud of myself for fixing, uh, one of those like pull up sink things, you know, like, uh, uh one of those stoppers that you push down on and it, <laughs> yeah. and it opens up. I was like, Oh, I got that. got it. You know, like there, th there are different intelligences in the world and I'm not going <laughs> to sit here and lie to you, right. And tell you that like, you know, Oh, anyone at all, you know, can, can without any trouble at all, um, learn about this. But I will tell you that these things are at their core, no more complex than those physical world things, right? Because everything in this world, both uh, in you know, whether it be mathematics or whether it be computers uh, in logic or whether it be in the physical sense, right? They're made up of smaller pieces. By breaking the things that are huge into smaller pieces, we can actually examine what the constituent components of a thing is and therefore how something works. That is the same whether or not you're dealing with, you know, uh, learning how to make a uh, cabinet, you know, as a carpenter or whether you're learning how to make software as an engineer. You're always going to have to have some understanding of the material you're working with, the tools you have, and how those two things relate to the world mm. 
at large. Mm -hmm. So like I use this analogy a lot in, in classes when I teach is, you know, there's a sense if you if you've spent a lot of time in the world, right? There's a sense you get about, for example, when you touch a certain object, you know, oh, that's metal. Oh, that's wood. Oh, this is a soft wood or this is a hard wood, right? Like there's a there's a tactileness to your experience in the world, the dexterity you gain as you gain experience. You weren't born with that. That took time right. and experiences. And most people are learning how to crawl right now on the internet. Yes, That's okay. It takes time, both as a culture and as an individual. But it's not the case that that will always be true, right? Most right. people right. can learn this stuff, even if it's not their like their their innate you know preternatural ability and that's our point right so if you're trying to learn how to be a uh, master carpenter you might spend 10,000 hours right figuring out exactly how oak versus ash operate with a you know with a with with a hammer mm. and you will get better at that over time and once you do it'll start to feel more like um, you know when you do touch oak or ash you'll feel how it relates to the other tools in your toolbox you'll have a sense of what it's going to do when you put certain stressors on it. And you can gain that same almost tactile sense on a computer, right? I mean, if you've been uh, a system administrator for long enough, you can begin to, to sense, you know, oh, my computer's acting a little funny, right? And if someone who doesn't know anything about computers is going to be like, I don't know, it's just a little slower today, <laughs> right? Right. But like, that's a sense that you can actually develop. And it's not magic, it's a skill. And all of these things, right, are are things that were not only devised, uh, designed by, by humans, uh, but were meant to be understood at, at, at their base level. So they can be. And that's what we try to put forward in our classes. That's what we hope um, to do by, as you said, the, the demystification. And at the same time, though, right, like there's a lot of history that is relevant to what exists now as the computer systems we have. Um, the example I think that uh, was brought up in the workshop that you attended, right, was the notion of Ethernet. We say Ethernet like it's just another word. And no one really questions what Ethernet is, like <laughs> Ethernet cable. Right? Maybe even now it's a, it's a little bit older because most people don't even plug it, right. uh, their computers in with a cable. They use Wi-Fi, right? right? Which is really just radio. I mean, like if you use the walkie-talkie, you know how the radio works in Wi-Fi because the Wi-Fi of your computer is just radio, right. which is also how a walkie-talkie works. So if you know the walkie-talkie, you can understand at a basic level what Wi-Fi is doing. And you don't really need to understand more about it unless you want to. But this notion of Ethernet, right, which is what Wi-Fi is intended to um, uh, make possible wirelessly, is a reference to a specific, in this case, Gnostic idea, the G-N-O-S-T-I-C, right, this Gnostic idea of a force that permeated and connected everything in the world, the ether. And when Bob Metcalf was inventing Ethernet, right, it wasn't just some random word he used. Mm. He wanted to devise his intention for the technology was a technology that connected and permeated all electronic things. And that exists now. It's literally called Ethernet. It is what Wi-Fi uses. It is what the Ethernet cables, those RJ45 jacks that you plug in, right, to the mm -hmm. back of your router, that's what those are. Those are Ethernet cables. Most electronic digital devices, when they're communicating with other electronic digital devices, right, are going to be using some Ethernet network. And so by imbuing the pedagogy and the, the, the approach to learning this at, with the knowledge of where this came from, we hope to do for technology what people intuitively understand is important when they're learning about, for example, their own genealogy or how to, for example, um, take care of the earth, right, to learn from indigenous peoples and to learn about how this was done. Not that we have to do everything the same all the time. You know, there's a, like, we don't, you know, there, 
culture and and technology it's not an append only chain like we can throw out the stuff that doesn't work you know mm. like we don't have to import all the bad stuff all the uh you know the, the sexism from the 1980s about how girls can't play video games for example right like we can just throw that out mm-hmm. but there was stuff that happened at that period that is important to know about and is valuable like why is it called ethernet and what does that mean what is the what is the metaphor that the designers of that network were trying to go for Right, because that also helps us understand where we are. If we know more about the notion of Ethernet as the intent of a all-permeating connected network, we can understand its function today. And bringing those perspectives back into it, as opposed to simply treating the latest technology as the beginning of history, like a lot of classes <laughs> we find do, helps in the educational component, right? helps people understand what it is that they're learning. Because now they have not just facts, but they have a narrative across time about how we came to be where we are. And that gives them not only a better understanding of where we are, but also the power to then write the next chapter themselves. Agree. And I actually, I, I thought that part of your course was, was super interesting. And that was something that I wasn't aware of, though I, you know, if I thought long enough about it, I might've come up with that idea, but it was really interesting to hear you cover that in the class. And uh, so speaking of, of that, I, for the audience's sake, walk through like at a high level your curriculum and and talk about the different levels that uh, that it addresses. Because I know that um, you've got different levels of courses, and, and and there are definitely courses in there for the people that might be curious about things at a more high level and not the nitty gritty parts. So I hope you enjoyed part one of that interview. Part two is even. If possible, it's even deeper than the part one. We uh, really get into some kind of deep thoughts uh, about around technology, and again, a very unique perspective on even just what it means to use a computer. It's it's honestly it's hard to describe. You'll just have to tune into part two to understand what I mean. But I'll I'll bet you money that that this instructor, who, by the way, he teaches courses. I took one of them. Really manages to look at computers in a way that even I had not really considered before. And then we'll also talk about it. Well. In, in terms of getting deeper, we'll talk about, you know, learning about computers and cybersecurity, really almost from a self-defense perspective, like taking a course in personal self-defense. So definitely don't want to miss part two. That'll be next week. And after that, we'll do another news show. There's plenty to cover. Nothing nothing super critical or urgent, uh, but some very interesting stuff going on right now in the realms of ad tracking. Lots of different stories there to talk about. I'll also talk to you about some upcoming changes to LastPass, and I don't know that they've actually sent this out in their newsletter yet, or if, but it, they're going to start charging for something that was free, which honestly is, I've actually publicly come out and said this is not a good idea, but I, mean, I already pay for it, so it's not going to affect me, and if you're already paying for it, it's not going to affect you, but if you're getting by right now in the free version, which has a lot of functionality, uh, they will be limiting your options for how you access it, and I'll I'll get into that more later. It doesn't take effect till March. And if for some reason that is enough to, you know, put you off of LastPass, I'll, uh, I'll give you some other options there. In fact, if you uh, are already a subscriber to my newsletter or check out my blog, I've already talked about this. So uh, anyway, I will talk about that in the new show as well. As I've said, I've already got two other interviews already in the can, just waiting to be edited and posted. So there's lots more there. And I've got another interview booked. So plenty of great stuff in, uh, coming down the pipe. And one final note before we go, I am still in the process of making some really cool upgrades to all the things I'm giving away to my patrons on Patreon. I really want to make sure that I am providing as much value as possible. Just, you know, just my way of saying, you know, thank you for supporting what I do here and, you know, giving some value back to those people that are supporting what I'm doing here. 
I've got my super secret project that, that's still still in the works. It, it is making progress. I am manufacturing something specifically for my patrons. Uh, I think it's, I personally think it's super cool. I, I hope that you guys will think so too. And that is going to be, gosh, it's probably going to take at least another month before that is done. Just giving, you know, manufacturing and shipping and all that kind of stuff. So stay tuned. I will be revealing that hopefully next month, April at the latest. But in the meantime, uh, I have already started to add some other really cool stuff. Um, planning to launch a Discord server for my patrons so you guys can actually directly interact with me and I, with each other, I guess, if you want. That I'm hoping to do in the next couple of weeks. And I've also kind of decided, you know, and I got some feedback about this, people kind of interested in the behind the scenes and, you know, what really goes on behind this microphone. So I've decided I'm going to make a behind the scenes video, um, kind of what goes into making this podcast. I mean, have you ever wondered what it takes to make a podcast or in, you know, or specifically what it takes for me to make this podcast? And as I was thinking about it, you know, I kind of wanted to make a list of all the things I want to include. I want to make sure I show this. I want to make sure I show that. And that list got really long. There's, <laughs> there's a lot to this. And, you know, I honestly, I kind of want to capture it for posterity anyway. So Anyway, I'll be working on that and uh, I'll announce whenever that's ready and I'll make that available to all my patrons so everybody can see what it is they're supporting exactly. And and even more, I got lots of ideas and lots of more things in the works. So uh, I'll let you know as those things come up, but that's kind of what's in the works now. And you can, of course, go to patreon.com and search on Firewalls Don't Stop Dragons to get more info. All right, everybody, thanks again for listening. Tune in next week for part two of a fascinating chat with Tech Learning Collective. Make sure you're out there getting ready to get your vaccine as soon as it's available. And uh, you know what? Uh, some of these, in some states, it's really kind of an arcane process. So you could also really help by making sure that other people you know, other friends and family, particularly maybe uh, older folks, uh, that they know what they need to do and how to sign up and get in line for their for their vaccines and help you know help reassure people that it's this is safe and it's something we we really all need to do. It for this you know world to get back to normal, we've got to get most of us vaccinated. So anyway. Wear those masks when you're going out. Maybe wear two. Apparently that's a thing. Stay in as much as you can until we can all get these all get these shots. And hopefully, hopefully by summer, we can get back to some sense of normalcy. So that'll wrap it up this week. Thanks again for tuning in. Next week will be part two of the interview. And until then, as always, stay safe and don't get caught with your drawbridge down.